Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Friday, December 23rd, 2022. This is Shannon, and today I am recording this intro just before this episode is posted, which is not the way things usually go here at Book Bistro. But today I have the last of our 2022 A Year in Review series, and it's a shorter episode than we usually give you, but you'll be hearing from Christine and Melissa as they discuss what their 2022 has looked like in terms of reading. I hope that all of you are staying safe and warm, especially if you are under this really terrible winter storm, which seems to be sweeping the nation. Currently in Ann Arbor, where I am, we have a wind chill of minus 17, which is not the greatest. Anyway, without any further discussion from me, let's dive right into the episode. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the book bistro podcast at gmail.com. My year in reads has been very active. I've read more books this year than I, than probably ever in, in a year, for sure, since I've been tracking them on Goodreads. Uh, and uh, that's not like a bragging statement. That's just what I've been doing this year, reading. Uh, and I have read many wonderful things. If I were to talk about all of them, then uh, this would be a, an, an incredibly long podcast. I have not read much fantasy or urban fantasy this year, and that's been true since the pandemic uh, started. I used to read a lot more before that, and I don't know what explains that, but it seems to be a permanent change uh, since uh, 2020. One exception to that is the Alice Worth series by Lisa Edmonds. I loved that series. I'm sad that it's over, although I understand that there's a spin-off, and I'll have to check that out. But I loved the characters in this series and the development of the characters and of the story. It, it was uh, a unique uh, series. It featured a cabal, which I haven't read anything quite like that before. And like Shannon, I'm not crazy about ghosts, but... <laughs> In this case, I love Malcolm. He's probably one of my favorite characters, and he is a ghost. 
but he is charming, he is deep, he is fun, he's everything that I would want from a ghost if I were to have one in my life. I would want him to have my back. So a lot of good in that series. Historical fiction has long been a great love of mine. World wars uh, are subjects I read a lot about, and World War II, especially my father was a gunner in World War II, so I find myself always drawn to learning more about aspects of that war. And I've read a couple of books this year that were very different in their um, subjects as far as the war. We often read about England, we often read about the U.S., but very seldom, in fact, this was my first time that I ever read about the Netherlands and the Angels of the Resistance by Noel Salazar was about the resistance movement in the Netherlands. The Netherlands is a very small country that wanted nothing to do with the war. They're peaceful. They love their country. They love their people. But they had a large Jewish community. So, of course, Hitler uh, invaded them as well and took their Jewish population. And the Netherlands people did not take this uh, lying down. They had, for a small country, a very mighty resistance that was determined to do anything they could to break down the Nazis' efforts, at least in their country. They had endless courage, endurance, tenacity. It was just great to see how much power a small group of people could have in the big picture. The second book was Call of the Wrens by Jenny L. Walsh. And this book took place in England, so that was not unusual. The part that was unusual is that it focused on a group of largely women called the Wrens. And the acronym escapes me right now. Uh, Women's Royal something, and I'm not going to even try to get it wrong. (laughs) Um, But they were a group of bicycle and motorcycle riding women who carried on their backs baskets of pigeons. And these pigeons had messages tied around their, their legs with bands. And these pigeons would be released into the front lines And they would take their messages to the front lines and would help them to know what was going on, to know what the the other side was doing. These were coded or secret messages they wouldn't have had otherwise. And these women were incredibly courageous. And uh, we follow in this book, it's a dual timeline book actually, and it's, so it starts with World War I when the Wrens were, were formed. And uh, it goes back and forth between the two world wars. And it focuses on two very different women who have a connection that we unfold in the second timeline of World War II. But it's a wonderful 
and unique perspective. I have also started reading Barbara Wood historical fiction, and she is brilliant. I have read The Dreaming, which is a long, wonderful saga about Australia in the early formation of Australia. I read Virgins of Paradise, which is a book focusing on Egyptian women through uh, some generations, how their customs and cultures and times have changed and how it has had to uh, change them and reshape some of their uh, beliefs and some of their ways. It's a very awesome book. I've read a couple more and I will read uh, probably the rest in this coming year. And her books are older but no less uh, wondrous and relevant for that. I don't read a lot of nonfiction, although that has increased. I very recently finished This Is Your Ear Hustle by Nigel Poor, which was a very unique and insightful look at prison life uh, and at what life is like for the families and loved ones that are outside of prison. Uh, it was a, re a recommendation actually from one of the end of year reads that Amber, when she posted hers, talked about it and I picked it up like that very day. And Nigel Poor was a volunteer or, or um, either was or is. I don't know if she still is a volunteer at the prison, but she volunteered working with the men in San Quentin and got uh, especially uh, interested in the Media Lab and decided to start a podcast with one of the inmates and they're still doing that podcast today and I have been listening to it and I've gotten hooked into that. It's a great podcast. It talks about different aspects of prison life uh, and it does that by interviewing inmates and inmates, uh, families and, and friends on the outside. It's a very well done podcast and she uh, is still working with this same uh, inmate, even though he is no longer an inmate. He, had, he was struggling for his release, and he has been released. He's now on the outside, still very much involved in what's going on inside. Make people aware of what it's really like inside a prison, which is something... We see on TV glamorized sometimes that way, but this is a, a a much more realistic and sobering look at that. Both some of the uh, good and some of the terrifying ways that life is in prison. I very recently read This Is Not a Pity Memoir by Abby Morgan. And that book touched me a lot because one of the aspects that it focuses on is performing care, having to do everyday care for a loved one, which I did for several years of my life. And it changes you in ways that are not really easy to describe or define, at least not by me. However, Abby Morgan did a wonderful job. And so often I found her speaking words that I often thought and and 
Uh, so it moved me. She came home one day to find her longtime partner and father to their two children collapsed on bathroom floor. He, Jacob, had MS, and he was, uh, I should say he has MS, and he was part of a drug, a clinical trial for a drug. And this drug caused him to have seizures and eventually to collapse and had to be put into a medical-induced coma. And it resulted in damage to his brain. And so the book focuses on uh, his attempts at recovery. He was in the coma and unconscious for six months. And then he started to slowly regain consciousness and make attempts to communicate with the people around him. The very unique thing about his situation is that although he recognized the people in his life, he did not recognize Abby, the woman that he was, you know, involved with, fathered children with, the woman who stayed by his side in the hospital, talked to the doctors, did all this stuff for him. He thought she was an imposter. And he spent a couple of years struggling with trying to come to grips with who Abby was. Was she real? Was she really his Abby? Was she someone acting his Abby? And this was incredibly hard for Abby, of course, um, because she had to do everything for this man at times and was taking care of him many moments of every day. And he did not appear to know that it was really her. It was heartbreaking for her. It's a, I, I really uh, enjoyed this, this glimpse into her life. At the moment, um, as far as historical fiction, and then I will move on, but at the moment I'm reading a book by Clint Smith called How the Word is Passed. And it is a very moving book. He takes us, uh, he is a black man, which is important because the book is about slavery, how it affected life then, while it was going on, how it affects us still to this very day. He takes us on a tour of monuments and landmarks that were all involved with the slave trade and with holding slaves. Some of these landmarks and monuments are attempting to be honest about their history. They, they try to tell the truth. Some of them do not. Some of them still cover up the awfulness of slavery. They want us to see a black population that was joyous and jovial and sung hymns and had ceremonies and, and that just really overlooks the fact that these people did what they had to do to survive. And that included smiling and laughing and loving and singing and praying and all of the things that they, that they did. We all do it to survive sometimes. If you're in bondage, you especially have to try to find some normalcy in that life. 
And so he takes a very realistic look at how slavery still with us today, how it still makes an impact on us, both good and bad. Good in the sense that we're trying, some of us are trying to still end the ways in which uh, slavery still exists, or at least enslavement in some ways still exists in in the words we use and the ways that we don't allow people to have equal opportunities, ways I still learn every day that I, I was never shown before, never looked at, that we all still have to grow. So this book is a, a great read for, uh, for our continued evolution as, uh, especially as a white uh, population. So I have found uh, some contemporary romances that have captivated me this year. I like my uh, romances to have good character development, got quirky characters, deep characters, funny characters. I love good humor. Uh, not as in like ice cream, uh, but, you know, good humor man, but as smart, well done humor. Um, and the Bootleg Spring series really filled that bill for me. It was one of the wonderful things I found. I'm still reading it. I'm not quite done yet. I'm kind of savoring the books. If I end it too soon, then it'll be over. It, uh, is written by Lucy Score and Claire Kingsley, whom I always heard some of the Beastresses talk about, like Sarah and Stacy and Kristen. And I thought, eh, I don't know, I don't know, you know. Because I don't read a lot of romance, not for any reason, it's just I don't. And then I picked one up because Shannon kept encouraging me, you might like it, you might like it. I picked one up and I was very drawn in. Along with the romantic element, too, there's also like an ongoing mystery through these books of a, a disappearance of a young uh, teenage girl slash young woman that, that happened in the town years ago. And uh, the father to the family that we follow is implicated. And there's just an ongoing attempt to solve this mystery that runs through the romance and it's 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 well done. Bootleg Springs is a small town, and it is very full of charm and humor, and of course, lots of gossip. Each of the books is a developing romance for one of our main characters that we follow, either in the family that we follow, or there's a policewoman that we follow closely, and her sister, who. Uh, is one of my favorite characters. She she has no social filters. And I love people that have no social filters because they tend to be honest in the most just refreshing ways. Sometimes funny, sometimes horrifying, but always just whatever they're thinking is out there. And this character is no exception. She is wonderful. She wants more than anything to have a pot-bellied pig for a pet. She thinks that's the very best kind of pet. 
And I love that. My other loved character is the town chicken. I grew up with chickens. I don't mean like I, I lived in a chicken coop or anything like that. But I did live on a farm and we raised a lot of chickens and some of them were very tame. I would often run around with one on my shoulder or holding one to my chest and we raised them from babies and chickens are awesome in a lot of ways that people don't really much think about. This chicken is named Mona Lisa McNugget and she just pretty much gets to wander around the town and do whatever she pleases she, of course, has had several iterations because chickens don't live as long as people. So there's always a replacement for Mona Lisa McNugget. I just think this series is just, it, it contains a, just a lot of the elements that make for wonderful reading. I have continued to chip away at reading the Nora Roberts uh catalog, which I didn't even really learn about until a couple years ago because of the Beastresses. Uh, I, like, I knew the name, but I hadn't read a lot, and I didn't realize how many uh, wonderful books about varying topics she has written over the years. I, I learned about the J.D. Robb books first, and of course I, I have been devouring those. I finally am caught up, but I also am reading her other uh, books, and there's just a lot of gems to be found there. Uh, I usually read a bit of science fiction. This year, the notable series for me is a series by Neil Shusterman. It's called the Unwind series, and it is a very unique approach to reproductive rights. Um... It is creepy, it is thought-provoking, it is a little bit scary if you think about how it's not all that far-fetched to think that we are wandering down a very slippery slope of a road that could lead us into some very awful decisions about reproductive rights. And uh, this book is, or this, these books are well-written and uh, at the same time that they make you go shiver, they also make you go, wow. I read a lot of women's fiction and I can't really even discuss everything or um, it, there's just too many. They're too awesome. Lots of great stuff. The bulk of my reading, of course, uh, is thrillers, mysteries, like psychological uh, thrillers, all the the things under that, uh, under all the genres under that, I find absolutely wonderful. Uh, too numerous to mention again, but there are many good titles, and that is what I have been doing with my year. And I hope that next year will just bring more of the same, and hopefully. Because uh, it seems like this is true, I will be on some podcasts to tell you about some of the things that I am reading. Hello, it's Melissa, and here are my thoughts on my year in reading. It's been very balanced, but it's 
kind of been the same as previous years. However, I have become an expert at trying new authors and new books. I read 25 books for my Goodreads challenge, and I still have time to go. And I also had my own challenge where I would read fantasy and a new author. So here is a list of the books that I've read. And hopefully my Braille display will continue to work. But here is my list. The first one on my list is Stay Awake by... Megan Golding, and as a person who suffers with insomnia, that's one thing I have to say about this book. I'm glad I didn't suffer like the character did and have the experience that the main character had within this book. The next one is Innocent in Las Vegas. And this is a new author, A.R. Winters. I tried this book and not sure if I'm going to continue with the series, but it was sort of cliche-ish, meaning the mysteries and things like that were still not quite interesting enough to keep my interest basically to keep me holding on I did finish it so I don't know if I'm going to continue with the series or not next was the personal assistant by Kimberly Bell this one had me just on the edge of my seat and I think it took me a day and a half to read it. It is a good thriller, and I love thrillers. The next author and book was Court of Thorn and Roses. Hopefully I haven't reversed it by Sarah Jane Moss. And sorry for the background noise. My retired guide is visiting. So, now this was a fantasy that I figured I'd try because I've heard some good things about Miss Moss and her books. It didn't make sense to me, so I put it down. So I didn't, I haven't completed it yet. So it's going on my to be completed list. Next is the Witch's Kitchen series, and volume one is Miss Bell. It's Morgana Best, and she's also a new author, and she writes lots of cozy mysteries. This one is really telling the story of the main character, and I didn't write the name down, so I apologize. 
um, she inherits a store and a house and two cats. Then she discovers that her aunt was a witch and the store is a cake store and she's horrible at baking. So this this one kept me laughing and enjoying it very much because I was in a book slump at that time. The next one is... Um, the author's name is Shayla Black, and she does a lot of black mysteries. Um, I have not finished anything by her. I have two books to finish, but I just couldn't get through them, or they didn't pique my interest. So that's something I will change in the next few weeks. Next is the Josie Quinn series by Lisa Regan. I have been a faithful reader of this series and I've read the last three books. Um, if you're going to start this series, you should start with Vanishing Girls, which is the first one. And it would be better than starting at, at Josie Quinn number 14. In my opinion, it's better to not be trying to figure out what happened in the past. So that's Lisa Regan. And her series is Josie Quinn. I read a lot of romances this year as well. And I still have a few waiting to be read. I read The Stalking Baby Secret. It's what I have written down. That's what they say the title is by Alexa Riley. I've been enjoying Alexa Riley on just on a podcast that I have called Read Me Romance, but I had never read any of their books until now. Um, It tells the story of this woman. She's a dressmaker, and the night before a wedding, she meets this guy, and of course they have a, a lovely night together, and then she leaves, and he's setting out to to find her. So it was a little of the same trope that most romances do have, yet I did finish it. The next is a series, and it's the Before I Let Go by Kennedy Ryan. And it is Skyland number one. I discovered Kennedy Ryan from a podcast as well as from Shannon. And I really enjoy her. And this tells the story of two, a man and a woman who are 
divorced, and yet they're trying to decide if they should give their love a second chance. So that's just a few of the books that I read. Um, I'm still finishing out my year. My goal is to find a couple more fantasy books as well as continuing to find new series and even some standalones that would pique my interest. I believe I've done well this this year with my books. All the ones that I have read either have gotten a four or five star rating. Now the only thing that didn't get a high rating or pass the a two was Mad Honey by J- Jody Picot. I usually love Jody Picot, but this book just did not do it for me. I didn't even get very far into it. I didn't even get halfway through it. It's just having two writers and it just was not a book for me. So, sorry, Judy, but I only gave you two stars. And that's the lowest rating I've given this year. So far, the highest rating I've given is five stars. So that's my list in books and my year in books. I'm looking forward to next year and growing my TBR and my my uh, reading life better, more fantasy books. I'm just not into science fiction. I really am trying, but I know a lot of viral books will come out now that we've gotten through COVID. So I am trying. I think the closest I've gotten is uh, Robin Cook. There's a book I am going to read where the uh, doctor is in a in a um, battle with her estranged husband for custody of their children, and somehow she gets involved with the villain and. Like I said, a virus is about to outbreak. So, all right. That's my story. And I'm done. So this concludes not only this episode, but our 2022 A Year in Review series. Thank you so much to both Christine and Melissa for participating today. And as always, Christine, we thank you so incredibly much for your editing and your participation. I say it all the time, but I think it is so important to say it again and again, that we are incredibly grateful that you all join us each week as we talk about great books. So thank you so much for that.
If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.